0: Well, let's uh, find our sermon outlines. If you haven't done so, uh, you can open up your Three Crosses app that's there on your phone. Open your Bible to the Galatians book, book of Galatians chapter five, where we've been the last eight weeks. This is our eighth week of nine weeks and maybe some of you are getting tired of the fruit of the spirit by now. <laughs> I hope you're not getting tired of the fruit of the spirit, but you might be thinking, you know, it's time to move on and we will be moving on. After next week, we're gonna be starting a beautiful Advent series, the names of Christ uh, coming to us in the Old Testament. It's gonna be great. But today, uh, we're in week number eight and we've looked at this list now for several weeks. I hope you know it by heart, you should. Uh, even if you don't memorize scripture very well, it's just by repetition, you should get it down, right? So the fruit of the spirit is, say it with me, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now today we're going to look at gentleness. Gentleness, what a beautiful fruit that God gives to us in the spirit of gentleness. And I know that for some of us, especially men, we tend to have a bad impression of gentleness. We kind of equate gentleness with weakness rather than strength. But this view of gentleness being weak or ineffective or insipid or somehow uh, ineffectual uh, doesn't come from the New Testament meaning of the word, which we find here in Galatians 5.23, this word that we translate gentleness comes from the Greek word praoutes, and praoutes is a word that describes a, a, a magnificent strength that is under control. It's power with great reserve, and it's just, just awesome to think about what that is. Um, we translate words like humility and uh, and meekness from this word and the root from this word. And yet we want to just bear down on it a little bit today so we can understand what it means. When I think about something that is very strong and yet reserved in its strength, I'm thinking of a of, of an opportunity I had a few years ago. Pastor Mark and I were in Thailand. We did a teaching series for a group of Chinese pastors, beautiful people that were there in Thailand. And uh, after a long, hard week together, uh, we, th- they gave the group of pastors who never get out, never do anything fun, they arranged an elephant ride for these pastors, and they invited us to go along with them. So here's Pastor Mark and I on this elephant. And... Uh, I'd never ridden an elephant. I'd been around elephants, I've seen them at the zoo, but never actually been on one before. And it was just a really unique experience. They were, they're so huge and yet they're so gentle. Now, not all elephants are gentle, but these elephants were gentle. And as we took off, we went down a little embankment into a river to cross this river and the, the water was up to the flanks on the elephant and he just powering right, or she, I don't know whether it was a male or female, just powering right through this and I thought, wow, this big huge beast Three people on top of it, and it's just like, it could have thrown us off, squished us like a bug if it wanted to, but just so gentle. We get to the other side, go up the little ravine, up onto the roadway, and now we're making our way back to where we started, and the elephant's in front of us. I can see they're picking up their pace a little bit, and they're so, I felt like I was riding on a pillow, like a cloud. It was just so beautiful, and when I, we got back, I thought, this, this elephant just loves me so much, I realized it didn't really love me, Wanted me to bring me back so I could buy some bananas to feed it at the little place where we all got on board. But I I was just really touched by that, this strength under control, so amazing. You know that these uh, animals, they could take, I've been told you could put a peanut in your hand and an elephant can take a peanut out of your hand with with just the most sincere little gentleness. And I have to admit, I was scared feeding it a banana. I was thinking like, is my whole arm gonna disappear and, you know, be gone, but... Uh, They were just so gentle and beautiful. In the world's eyes, to be gentle is to be weak and ineffectual. But in God's eyes, it's a magnanimous power that shows reserve and it's coupled often with humility. I think of my firefighter buddies, uh, both men and women, who are so strong, so amazing in what they do, that when they're transporting somebody, they have to be so careful not to move them in certain ways. But the reason why they can do that is because they're so strong. My friend Brian, you know, he's got biceps the size of my legs, you know, and as a captain, he can just, you know, like I've seen him just like lift people and just gently move people with such ease because of his strength. It's strength which actually helps us to be gentle when it's under control. I love the fact that our God is a gentle God. He's so powerful. He's sovereign over the universe. Isaiah 40 through the end of the book is all about who can you compare with God? He's greater than everything, greater than than all the world and all the creation. And yet it says in chapter 42 of Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering flame he will not snuff out. This is how gentle our God is. Maybe you're feeling like, your life is kind of falling apart today or you've got issues going on, come to understand today the gentleness that our God has for us today. So being meek, being gentle is allowing our strength to be governed by a greater power than ourselves to produce the best results in our lives and to others around us. And that's what we want to drill down into a little bit today in the short time that we have together. We're going to be looking at what, why God gives us a spirit of gentleness and I'm gonna just, we're gonna do a little flyby in this first point, but it's important, it's significant. I'm gonna give you four reasons why God gives us gentleness. Because remember, the fruit of the Spirit are all, their gifts that God gives to us. We don't work for these things. We don't just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and try to be better in these things. If you're a little frustrated that you haven't seen a huge change over the last eight weeks in these things in your life, hey, give yourself a little break and realize that these are lifelong processes that the Holy Spirit wants to build into us so that we might be more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more forbearing, more kind, more good, more uh, uh, faithful, and more gentle in our spirits. Why do we need gentleness? Why does God give it to us? Well, number one, because this is the way we respond to God appropriately. We need to respond to God appropriately, and it takes gentleness to do that. I'm gonna use another word that's gonna connect with gentleness, you'll see how it works in a minute, but it's the word submission. Submission is a big part of how all of us come to God, We must come with a submissive spirit, submissive attitude, and we can't come submissively without a spirit of gentleness. Submission really is, in a way, a spirit of gentleness. And let me just back this off and show you our whole Christian life in, a, in a, just a quick fly-through. First of all, to get saved, to be in a saving relationship with the God of the universe, we must come gently. We must come with a spirit of submission in our lives. We submit to God in order to be saved. An illustration of this comes to us in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus tells a story. And you can turn in your Bibles there. I'm going to have you move around a little bit here quickly. If you have your own Bible, you should turn there. Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else. Now, that's a person that is the opposite of being gentle person that looks down on everybody, person that feels like they're the greatest and they've arrived and all this. So Jesus tells this story and he says, verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, Jesus is speaking, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, that word humble there comes from the root word uh, uh, that we find here in Galatians chapter five, parutes. This is a word that describes a humility that comes to our life. And so Jesus is saying, we can't have a saving relationship with the living God until we have come to a place of realizing that we are not first. We, we don't bring anything. We've got nothing, but God is everything to us. We come broken and God meets us in this moment. We come realizing that we have nothing to give to God and he supplies everything that we need from him. So even our salvation is based on the fact that we come in humility, we come in a spirit of need. Secondly, we we submit to God in order to obey his commands. If you're there in your Bible, go to the book of Galatians, uh, excuse me, the book of James please, almost all the way to the end of the New Testament, past the book of Hebrews, right there in the book of James. Chapter 1, verse 21, and James, the brother of our Lord Jesus, he had this to say, he said, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so, is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So here he's talking, he's saying to obey the Lord, to have the word implanted in us is to obey the Lord. So we need to submit to God in order to obey his commandments. And that submission is based on a spirit of humility. When we say yes to God, we, we are confessing that we need him, and we are, whenever we say yes to God, we're, we're demonstrating a gentleness to God. You know, when we come in here, we, we often, when we sing songs of worship, we raise our hands, right? And, and not all of us do, some of us are not comfortable, you know, expression bodily expressions in worship, but I always kind of gently remind people that, hey, it's okay, it's okay to use your you know, expressiveness to say you love God, and when you raise your hands, if you do, you're saying one of two things, probably, you're saying one, you, you know, you're adoring God, it's almost like you wanna be caught up in his embrace, uh, or you're saying, God, I submit to you, like I'm, I'm surrendering, and it's, it's interesting that raising of the arms is kind of a universal symbol of, of you know, uh, surrender, right? So I'm thinking of a friend of mine who told me, you know, like, well, I'm not into physical, you know, expressions of worship. But then we were at a warrior game, and the guy's going crazy, you know. (laughs) I'm going, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. So somehow we, we don't, you know, connect the dots with that. But really, what we're doing in these expressions is that we're just honoring God. And we're saying, God, I surrender. That's the point. So I was teaching our kids, our kids. My wife and I, when the kids were real little, I was talking, to them, it's okay, you know, you can raise your hands when you praise, when you worship the Lord, and we were sort of in a little week where we were talking about that, and we're down in Hayward, and we're coming up A Street off a of foothill, and there was a bunch of police cars that had pulled this guy over, I guess, and there was a guy outside the car like this. And my, one of the kids, I don't remember which one, said, Daddy, is he worshiping the Lord? I said, well, he might be. <laughs> But do you get it? Like, when we, when we say yes to God, we're surrendering. And we need that, we need humility to do that. You know, it's not your way anymore. It's like God's way. No matter how hard it is, no matter how weird it is. The mark of a believer is showing humility to God. Thirdly, we submit to God in order to repent of sin. Repentance. Uh, if you're in the book of James, go over to chapter four, quickly, chapter four, verse Verse four, you adulterous people, don't you know? Now he's talking to Christians here, okay? So get this. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? For he gives us more grace, but he gives us more grace. This is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, come near to God and he will come near to you, wash your hands you sinners, purify your hearts you double-minded, grieve, mourn and wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will what? He will lift you up, that word humble there again, prautete, it's the same root, it's saying, get soft, get gentle in in the presence of the Lord, We do that to get saved, that's just coming through the doorway, but we do that to let the word of God have his way, to obey the Lord in our lives, and also to repent. There's even another thing that I find from the scripture, and that is that we submit to God facing trials and hardships. Uh, Submission is important when we come through problems in our lives, and I'm thinking of all the people that have had problems this week, illnesses, accidents, job changes, someone's betrayal against us, theft, loss, death, I mean the list goes on and on. But because we know Romans eight twenty eight that says, well, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his name, to love him and called according to his name. So the beautiful thing is, is that we can, we can rest, we can be gentle before God, we don't rage, we say, God, you must have an intention to bring out good out of this in my life to make me more like you so more glory will go to you so we can rest even in trials and problems and circumstances in our lives because of God's promise that he's gonna work these things out in our lives as followers of Christ. And so that's, that's a, a form of gentleness before the Lord. So submission to get saved, submission to obey the word, a submission to repent, and submission in the, in the face of trials and problems in our lives. So let's move to the second reason why God may give us gentleness and that is not only because it's the appropriate way to respond to God but secondly because if we're going to represent Jesus to the world we need to be like him and he was gentle. I love the beautiful invitation that Jesus gives to us in Matthew eleven 28. Let's read it out loud together. We'll put it on the screen. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you love that about Jesus? He's so gentle. In Matthew 21, there's a quotation from Zechariah, the Old Testament prophet, that talked about how the Messiah would come riding on a donkey, riding on the colt, a foal of a donkey, and we, say, we see here in Matthew 21, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt the full of a donkey. This is a picture of Jesus' gentleness. He didn't come with a sword, he came in gentleness and love. Now that doesn't diminish, listen carefully, that does not diminish the strength and the power of Jesus Christ, right? Right? I mean, if you read the whole Bible and you come to the end of Revelation, you find that Jesus is coming back to judge the world and all wickedness and all the chatter and all the, you know, rant and rhetoric of, of sinful people who have thrown up their fist before God and said, leave us alone and do, we do our own thing. God is going to come back and just, you know, uh, bring justice and, and his wrath on all of that, that all of the people that have rejected and, and turned his way, turned away from him. So his wrath, his power, his magnificence is not not diminished at all because he's a gentle Savior. He's giving us a reminder that this is the time now, like Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another minute. Come to Christ. Give your life to Jesus. He's a gentle Savior waiting to receive you. But if you reject him, like we learned last week, if you deny him, if you disown him, he will disown you. But if we know him, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful, right? You have been thinking about that this week? God is so good. I love what Paul says in Philippians 2 about Jesus. He says, "'Who being very nature God "'did not consider equality with God "'something to be used to his own advantage. "'Rather he made himself nothing "'by taking the very nature of a servant, "'being made in human likeness "'and being found in appearance as a man. "'He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, "'even death on a cross.'" I think of the beautiful gentleness that Jesus demonstrated to the woman in John 8 that was caught in the act of adultery. And you know, the whole thing was just a setup. I mean, yeah, she was caught in the act, but there were people that set the whole thing up and they were just trying to trap Jesus, get him to say the wrong thing. Is he going to come down on the law of Moses or is he going to let the law of Moses go? You know, what's he going to do? And Jesus so beautifully, masterfully shows his gentleness both to this woman and even to her accusers. I sat down with someone recently, going through a really hard divorce, someone that loves God with all his heart, he's involved in ministry and it's just tearing him up, but when I met with him just a while back, I said, you know, how you doing? And he said, this, these were his words and I thought it was so beautiful, he said, Jesus has been so gentle with me through this whole process. I thought, that's so great, that's exactly what all of us need to remember, that when we're in this tough situation, Jesus loves to be gentle with his kids, and we're going to learn in just a couple minutes how that happens, actually. It happens throughout the body of Christ, and we're we're his instruments, but I think the contrast between Jesus and, you know, the rhetoric of our culture, politicians, people that have power, people that want to wield their strength and their words and their, you know, magnificence, and I think, man, you know, Jesus is so unlike all of that, so humble, so meek. And if we're going to represent Jesus in our culture and our world, so we need to represent meekness, which is not weakness. Have your conviction. Be persuaded of the truth. But come across as gentle. Just, you know, I think of the proverb that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, right? I mean, it's like there's just something about, you know, people that are all up in your face and upset or the rhetoric of our culture and how if we just, you know, we can de-escalate things with how we respond to people. Which brings me to the third thing, and that is we not only need uh, gentleness to respond to God appropriately, also to reflect Jesus to our world, but we also need gentleness for the church to be healthy, for the church to be healthy. Now let's talk about us, all of us here for a second. Churches that are healthy have a high coefficient of members that are simply gentle with each other. I'm gonna take a minute and just kind of uh, honor our church because I, I love how gentle our church is. I, I meet people all the time that say things like, I feel so loved here, I feel so cared for here. And, and it's just a vibe that's here. And, I, and that's, let's, let's give all glory to God for that because there's a lot of churches where, where that vibe doesn't happen, you know, where there's a sense of tension and there's leaders and people that are kind of upset at each other and there's kind of this uptightness that's going on. And that's sad because the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is the opposite of all that. I mean, when you come in here, you ought to experience the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those, that ought to just be sort of the feeling of what we get when we're around here, when we're around each other. Let's talk about some specifics here. First of all, the Bible says that teachers of God's word need to be gentle. Teachers of God's word need to be gentle. 2 Timothy two twenty four and 25, Paul exhorts. He says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth so that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. That's, that's something for me as a teacher. I should be gentle. Like, what if I wasn't gentle? Like, I could shout at people, you know, the cell phone goes off and it doesn't shut up. You know, I say, who's got the cell phone that's ringing? Would you just shut the thing You know, like, I could do that, right? <laughs> and sometimes I've actually wanted to do that. <laughs> but that wouldn't be very gentle, would it? I mean, that, you'd be kind of, whoa, what happened to Pastor Larry today, you know? You know, like what if I just shouted at people that I didn't like or think, you know, I've got, I've got pet peeves as a pastor, I can admit it. I've got things that bug me, but I get to wait a minute, am I going to treat this person with gentleness or am I going to be like, you know, and so that, I'm responsible. This is my instruction from the word of God. If I'm a teacher and I'm not the only teacher, there's lots of teachers in our church. And so this should be what we should gently instruct. Even the people that oppose us, gentleness. It's needed as a character trait among the elders of the church, number two. 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, Paul writes, Now, to the overseer is to be above reproach, not given uh, to drunkenness. Boy, that's good. Okay. And not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. So, elders, and I'm grateful for the elders of our church. They have been, you know, even... You know, we've had a lot of wrestling through this whole transition period and, you know, trying to discern God's will and timing, and I'm just so grateful for our elders that have treated this whole thing with such gentleness. They've treated me with gentleness. They've, they've loved on Pastor Danny, and, and it's just been a beautiful reminder to me, and I'm grateful for the fact that our elders uh, are this way. But I've, I've been around and seen churches where elders are some kind, sometimes kind of the strong you know, arms, and, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't have conviction. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that our elders are gentle in the fact that they don't care about doctrinal purity or they don't care about holiness or they don't care about church discipline or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that there is a vibe and a tone in some churches where elders, pastors, and remember, if you're clergy, you're an elder, biblically speaking, are sort of like, hey, it's my way or the highway. If you don't like it, shut up, get out, you know? It's, it's kind of like that. And I think that's sad because I think most churches have a, the modicum of what the biblical requirement is for elders, but not all churches, because I meet some of you that come from those churches that feel abused. And you're like, I'm here just to kind of get healed up because I feel like I've been beat up by my pastor. I think that just should not happen. In fact, there's even worse when some clergy take it on their, on their mind uh, or on their heart um, to become you know, predators to members in their flock. Power, prestige, sexual favors, money. You read about this, you see this, and that's so wrong. And so we pray for our leaders, I hope you pray for me in this too, that we'll always be gentle, God-honoring, men of holiness, people that treat God's word for what it is, that it is the authority in our lives that we submit to it before we submit to anything else. You know, I think of Ezekiel, uh, 34, where God harshly speaks to the shepherds of Israel because they were using the people for their own devices. They were just using them. And that happens in our modern day too, unfortunately. It's needed for teaching, it's needed for eldership, it's needed for restoring those who are caught in some kind of sin. Galatians 6.1 says, Paul says, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently. I have a a dear friend who I've known for as long as he's been in ministry and he's got a huge ministry and God has really blessed him but he had a moral failure and uh, you know, there were a lot of pastor friends that reached out to him, and he just kind of went underground, went undercover, so to speak. But there was a family, a, a couple that belonged to our church, uh, who used to belong to our church, who now live out in the valley, and and they had connection with him in, in the past. And they somehow found favor to connect with him. And I've just been continuing to hear beautiful stories of how their Gentleness is restoring this man, not to a public ministry, but restoring his heart, restoring his life, restoring the fact that um, God is not finished with him yet, that God still has a plan to work out in his life. And I'm grateful for people that just, you know, because there could have been a lot of people say, know, oh, that guy deserves all the, you know, I hope his marriage breaks up, I hope everything goes wrong in his life, because look at what he did. But what does the Bible say? You who are spiritual Restore such a one, what? Gently. In fact, it says, looking to yourself, knowing that you know, it's, if you become the judge, you're probably the, the next one. So just be gentle. And then even from a membership standpoint, number four, if you're taking notes, it's needed among the membership of the body. Paul says to the Philippians, he says, make sure your gentleness is evident to all. You know, there should be a reputation of gentleness in the body of Christ. You know, think about your social media platforms, think about how you respond to things that you see on social media. Would people say, that's a gentle person? Because usually social media is the place where our gentleness goes aside and we feel like it's our right to like set the world straight and we're gonna tell people the way it really is. And, and I'm not saying, that the truth is important, but what does the Bible say? We should speak truth to one another in what? Love. So there should be grace, love undergirding anything. If we have to say something hard to somebody, it should be so bathed in love and so carefully delivered so as a, a, a fragile vessel would not break and shatter on the ground. And so I'm exhorting us and I'm also thanking God for three crosses that is a place where there is a modicum of gentleness in this in this body, and I wanna just say, hey, we've got, we've got a, a, a sense of it, let's keep going with it, and let's continue to show people out there that this is a safe place, we can be ourselves, uh, and we can let the Spirit of God use his word and our exhortation and admonishment to one another, and if it has to be hard truth that we give to one another, we do it with such a spirit of gentleness and love that a person feels cared for, even if it's the hardest thing they've ever heard us say, uh, said to them which really brings me to the last thing and we're out of time. But we need gentleness when responding to the seeker or skeptic about our faith. Now let's just remember what Peter told his listeners in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is, you, that is in you. But do this with gentleness and respect. And I love the fact, it just kind of comes out in scripture. Do this with prautēs. Do this with a spirit of love. So never argue with people about your faith journey, you know. Don't get into biblical arguments with people. You're wrong, how could you say, you're crazy. You know, like, I know people that just kind of get lit up about this stuff. And you know, that's not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win a person's heart even if you win the argument. How about being gentle with people and even humble and saying, wow, I've never seen that perspective before. And inside you're thinking that is the craziest perspective I've ever, <laughs> I've never seen that perspective before but I, I want to think about that and I would love to talk about this more with you. How about that? Instead of fighting them. Keep the door open. That's why Peter tells us this. All right. Well, our time is gone but thankfully the Holy Spirit is gonna take us from here this week and our homework this week is to look for opportunities to let his spirit show gentleness the people in our workplace, people in our neighborhood, people who are hurting. And won't that be a beautiful thing? And today, if you've never opened your heart to Christ, right now, you can receive the Spirit who will give you gentleness like you've never had before.